you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Is Erin the Addisons here on American Family Radio? Happy to be with you. This is Wednesdays with Will. And man, we have a special show today. have a, a guest uh, who's going to join me in the second segment, hopefully to the end of the show, um, Brother Stephen Black of First Stone Ministries. First Stone Ministries. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But first, I want to make sure I get these announcements out of the way. Again, you're listening to Wednesdays with Will on airing the Addison. Uh, Wednesdays are my days to talk. You know, it's funny. We go different places and people say, man, you don't say much. You know, I say, well, you haven't listened on Wednesday. <laughs> I get the whole show to myself. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun. And it's a, it's a different, it's, a, it's kind of a change up. You know, my style and Mickey's style, totally different. Uh, we have totally different personalities. But, man, praise God for the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit uh, gives gifts. Uh, he divides them out. You know, as a body of Christ, you might have the mouth, then you have the eyes, you have the hands. Man, if we would just learn that, there would be so much more unity within the body of Christ. But that's not what I'm talking about today. If you want to email us, you can email us at addisons at AFR.net. Addisons at AFR.net. You can follow us on Facebook and on uh, YouTube if you want to search and subscribe. That's Aaron Addisons. And you can uh, watch the broadcast live right now on Facebook and on YouTube. Also, look us up on Instagram. We're, we are now on Instagram, airing the Addisons. And so we, we're trying to get it going, trying to be able to, to, to reach out, you know, where the people are and, and stuff like that. But we're not getting on TikTok. Sorry. You know, can't do that. We're not doing that. But uh, Facebook, uh, YouTube, Instagram, and we even have a Twitter page. And I have to admit that I don't really post on there a lot. But anyway, also the MFL 23 dates are July 6th through the 8th. You can still buy your tickets. Make sure you go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. You're not going to want to miss that. It's a great, great event. Man, God's hand is on that event. Uh, he, he always causes it to be what it needs to be for that year. And so I just praise God for the Holy Spirit, how he leads and he guides the speakers or what we need to hear for that year. And look, we're, we're not into just getting big name speakers and stuff like that. We want people that, that will be able to speak to the attendees right where we are, right? You know, we want to be encouraged in the body of Christ. I'm not a person that's into the big names and all of that. And you guys will know when we come and we go different places, you know, some, to you guys, we may seem like, oh, they're on the radio. They're celebrities. 
we do not feel that way about ourselves. If you are in the body of Christ, we are brothers and sisters. And, you know, we're not tripping about it. You know, it is what it is. But from our heart to yours, we are brothers and sisters. We love the body of Christ. We love the body of Christ. And so, uh, you know, just want to put that out there. But we will be at the Marriage Family Life Conference, Lord willing. A lot of people who are on the radio will be there. So you'll be able to meet us. We try to make ourselves very, very accessible. And so please come register marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. And lastly, uh, we are gathering stories to play during our spring share And we'd like to hear from you. By now, if you've been listening for a few years or a number of years, you know how this goes. Um, So has the Lord used American Family Radio in your life? Have we been there or or, or given the right thought at just the right time? Please share your story. We'd like to hear your story on EFR. It could be a blessing and encouragement to others. And I'll tell you, I've had an opportunity to listen, just listen through some of the testimonies. And, man, they always bless me. Very, very encouraging to hear how God is using uh, this network to reach so many people. It's amazing. But tell us how Christ has used AFR in your life. Call and share for a minute or two, and you might hear yourself during share Our listener storyline is 877-876-8893. 877-876-8893. And remember, it's, you, you won't be live. It will be a, a voicemail that you will leave. We have some producers that w- that's going to, Make that thing sound real, real nice. And so you just may hear yourself during our share So if you want to share your story, you want to share how God has blessed you through the ministry of American Family Radio, please call our listener story line at 877-876-8893. Well, today in this first segment, I have been praying and asking the Holy Spirit, like, what is it? Uh, that you desire for me to share before my brother Stephen Black comes on. And what came to my heart because of what we're going to be talking about today is Luke chapter 4. You know, Christ was uh, tempted. Uh, And I want to read a portion of Luke Luke chapter 4. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. For 40 days being tempted by the devil. He was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. How about that? And he ate nothing during those days. And when they had uh, ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. That's saying something right there, man. Only The devil only has what's been handed over to him, been given to him. His authority is, <laughs> there's a lack thereof. Let's just put it like that. Therefore, If you worship before me, 
it shall be all yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, it is, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. <laughs> when the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until a, an opportune time. You know, there's a scripture in Hebrews that talks about Jesus being tempted at all points, like as we are yet found without sin, yet without sin. And right here in these passages, we see the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life being uh, a temptation that has been thrown towards Jesus. But he overcame all of that through the word. And because he overcame all of that through the word, he has been made. He is our high priest. He is sinless. Sinless. And now we can go to him when we need grace and mercy in our time of need. It's amazing. So Jesus was tempted in all ways, yet without sin. And those are the ways that mankind has been tempted from the beginning, even in the garden, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. If you remember the story there. But I want to read on. Verse 14, chapter 4. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Oh, man, there's so much there. In the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as uh, was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. These are the things that Jesus came to do. He was reading Isaiah, who was prophesying basically about Christ. And these were the things that he came to do. He preached the gospel to the poor. He proclaimed release to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. Set free those who are oppressed. Proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord was upon him to do this. We serve the same Jesus today. He is not any different. Jesus sets the captives free. And if you are believing in some type of gospel, which is not a gospel at all, that is void of the power of God, that does not exist. He is still today setting the captives free. 
Now, there's a segment of Christianity that don't believe that some of the things, same things that God was doing in the Old Testament or Jesus did, that, are hap- that they are happening today. Like, there are some people who name the name of Christ that don't believe that God delivers from sin, completely delivers. I'm sitting here telling you today that he delivers from sin. I have been delivered, set free by Jesus Christ. There's some things that uh, people today, even in a church, will say, oh, well, this is just my, you know, thorn to, to, to bear or, or whatever they may try to call it. But I tell you that Jesus can set you free, totally free. He can make it to where the thing that was so easily tripping you up and besetting you is not an issue in your life anymore. Do we believe that God can do it? We don't serve a God that's, you know, uh, he did that stuff yesterday, and he, but he's different today. We serve the God who's immutable. He does not change. We talked about that yesterday. He's unchanging. So whatever your situation is, whatever the sin is in your life, whatever that thing is, you can be delivered. There's no such thing as there's something that God cannot deliver you from. And it's crazy because even that word deliverance, it almost seems like we don't want to talk about that anymore. I remember coming up in the church. It was a church of God in Christ. And they talked about deliverance. They talked about being set free. They talked about, man, I used to do this. I don't do it anymore. Why? Because Jesus has set me free. That's the kind of talk we need to be talking today. Not this talk where, oh, well, I am this. Even though I'm a Christian, I'm still this. No, you can be set free. But a lot of times we don't believe it. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that with, with our guest today. I want That's just one thing I want to run past him. But man, you can believe God for whatever it is. Whatever it is. And I'm not just talking about the Hollywood sins. I'm not just talking about those things that, you know, get all the press in the news. The things that we like to talk about. Oh, that that person over there did this or was embroiled in this. I'm talking about right where you live. Whatever that thing is, he's able to set us free. And when he sets us free, we are free indeed. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. Wednesdays with Will. And I'll be back right after this. Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. Thank you for joining me today, and I have a special guest with me, my brother Stephen Black, who's the executive director of First Stone Ministries, and we're going to talk about that ministry uh, and much more and much more. I mentioned in the uh, first uh, segment just about 
uh, how some segments of, of uh, Christianity don't even talk about deliverance anymore. Like that's something growing up in the church that I grew up in, it wasn't only talked about, but we believe that people can be delivered from sin, you know, and it wasn't something that you just had to, oh, well, this is what I do, who I am. But no, that can be a complete change in someone's life. Um, but my brother Stephen, like I said, he is uh, executive director of First Stone Ministry since 2000. Uh, First Stone specializes in ministering healing and restoration to those caught in all forms of sexual brokenness. And I want to talk about that, too, because many people may think, oh, that's just a homosexual ministry. You know, that, that's, that's all they, they talk about. But uh, there's a lot that First Stone uh, does. Uh, Stephen, for uh, anyone who don't, maybe don't know you, and I, I find it hard to believe because you've been everywhere. You've been doing things with AFR and AFA for a while. Give us your testimony. Like, how did you come to know Christ, and how did he set you free from the grips of sin? Well, uh, it was a transformative experience. Mm-hmm. In 1983, um, I had been crying out to the Lord for a year and a half, and I walked into a home where people were just on fire and mm-hmm. in love with God, and I encountered this presence. I didn't know at the time that it was the Holy Spirit. Um a year and a half er, uh, earlier, my brother had died, and so I'd been raised in parochial school, knew things about heaven and hell, thought about heaven and hell, thought, was thinking a lot about eternity. So when I went into this this living room and encountered this presence of people that were in love with Jesus, I encountered the presence of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that's what it was. And I heard this voice in my mind that said, if you do not accept me tonight, you're going to die. Wow. And that was in 1983. And later on that summer, we heard about a mysterious disease uh, cropping up in all the hospitals in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And back in that day, they called it the gay disease. And mm-hmm. it was, and you can Google it, it's a gay-related immune deficiency. And so his warning to me, if you do not accept me tonight, you're going to die, was great mercy. It wasn't like a condemnation. Yeah. And so once I gave my life to Jesus that night, everything changed. Wow. Especially when I went home, uh, the girl I was with asked me if I was going to be gay anymore. And I went home and got the Bible, big duet version, this Hmm. Bible that's like four or five inches thick. Yeah. Where do you find the truth in that thing with all the Vatican (laughs) pictures and everything? And I literally prayed over that Bible and literally flipped it open to Leviticus 18. And I saw in verse 22, a man shall not lie with a man as he does with a woman. And I knew then that the priest had been lying to me. It wasn't okay to be gay. And uh, I just remember saying, Lord, I don't know how to change, but I will change. I, I surrender my life to you. And everything from that night on changed. And I was a homosexual sex addict. Mm. And, Will, that in itself is a miracle Mm. uh, that I never went back. And Jesus intervened in my life. His truth hit me. That's why one of my life verses is Psalms 107, verse 20. It says, he sent his word to heal them, Mm. to deliver them from their destruction. And uh, I was a very demonized, very broken, sexually addicted Young man, and Jesus set me free. So this was this a Bible study that you were invited to? Uh, was this a church service? No, I had just been out partying with this girl, and she says, hey, I need to stop by my uh, 
sister's house. Now, they're real religious, so I just need to tell you, they're wow. Assembly of God, and they're strange. <laughs> and when we walked into their house, it was this overwhelming presence of God. Mm. And, you know, my friend who led me to the Lord, his name is Steve, too. He said, oh, brother, you were right for the picking. But let me tell you, because they were living right, this unbeliever came into their home and encountered Jesus. So this was just the home of believers that that the presence of God was there, like, just so heavy that it drew you, that he drew you in. That's exactly so, right. Was was God uh, before then? Like, were you having a journey with God? Was He drawing your heart even before this? This going to this house? Oh, He was actually. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, some people say, "Oh, well, you were saved back in '81." No, I, I know I was born again uh, when I really surrendered my life to Jesus. But mm. the Lord was dealing with me. Yeah, He He dealt with me with the death of my little brother and about eternity, even things in parochial school growing mm. up, you know, hearing some of the truth that you do here in Catholicism. Mm. And um, so, yeah, he, he changed my life little by little, sowing seed, and then finally became a harvest. So after this uh, experience that you had with, with God, what happens next? Like, do you get discipled? Do you find a church? Like, what what happens after this? Great question. Um, I was really fortunate to be a part of a Southern Baptist church that was going through back in the early, well, late 70s, early 80s, even from this, you know, this whole Jesus people movement. Yeah. Uh, there was also called the fullness movement within the Southern Baptists back in those days. Okay. And so deliverance and inner healing and dealing with demonic powers and, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the restoration of real worship and even, you know, raising your hands in a Baptist right. church back then got us kicked out of the Southern Baptists, mm-hmm. uh, this little church I was a part of. And so this pastor that I uh, was under his his um, uh, discipleship care, he was incredible. Mm. He taught me the word. He back in the day, you know, you had to pull out the little physical books, lexicons, and yes, de- uh, you know, uh, Strong's Concordance. Concordance. And yeah. The, yeah, I mean, he taught me how to study the word, to look at the Greek and Hebrew oh, wow. and definitions, and I just fell in love with the word of God, wow. and it completely changed me. And this pastor's love for me, not, you know, and he's, you know, he's a goat, a goat rubber horse uh, rodeo guy. I mean, you know, he's the, the man's man. And yet he was a tenderhearted pastor and loved me and discipled me big time. That's so important. And this, the importance of discipleship, that's something that has been lost within the church. You have so many people that have genuinely come to Christ, but have never been discipled. So they end up continuing to look like babies, yeah. you know, because no one came alongside them and said, hey, we don't do that in the kingdom. That, no, that's that's not, you know, this is how we read the Bible. This is how we study the word. Man, so that was an important piece for you. Well, and it's the reason why we've seen so many people fall away yeah. uh, out uh, coming, you know, like the whole Exodus implosion and other things. Mm-hmm. What was What's so sad is that people that are in homosexuality have usually been really sinned against as a child, you know, um, in my own story, you know, childhood sexual abuse several times Mm. and needing to be discipled through the pain, the trauma, the brokenness of their life. And they really need to understand spiritual warfare. Mm. They need to be taught how to take their thoughts captive. They need to learn how to deal with shame and toxic shame Mm. and, and find some really lasting freedom in confession and bringing everything into the light. And when you live that way, 
you can get free Amen. and you can experience change. So now you you've been dis- you're being discipled by this pastor. How how and when did God call you or you sense God calling you into ministry? Uh-huh. And I'm I'm sure there was a lot of years in between there. There know? was. Yeah. But ironically, three months later, I was so on fire for the Lord. Um I was at an Arthur Blessed meeting okay. in Seminole, yeah. Oklahoma. And I felt the presence of God on me, and I went forward to surrender to ministry. And so this is three months later. Yep, three okay. months later okay. after my salvation. Yeah. Uh, but it took, I was studying to be an architect, and I was working in an engineering uh, company right out of high school and college mm-hmm. and uh, drawing as a draftsman. And uh, the Lord called me into ministry, and um, and it took Nine years of okay. preparation, okay, and uh, did a lot of things to equip me for ministry, and uh, and I've been in full time ministry now for over thirty one years. So this first uh, stint into ministry after those nine years, when you when when you finally are in ministry, was it ministry to homosexuals or to uh, the sexually broken? Even it, then, it wasn't initially. I thought I was going to be a missionary to Haiti of all, okay, point, you know, or Jamaica. I really felt like I was supposed to go to either Haiti or Jamaica, right? Yeah. And um, and then because I really didn't want to have anything to do with the homosexual community, gotcha. and um, and then what happened is through connections like with Last Days Ministries and Exodus and other things, it became obvious to my wife and I that we were supposed to minister to sexually broken people. Okay, and uh, and then I got connected with First. Stone's uh, former director in uh, 91, and it just, it, the Lord's calling was clear that I was supposed to do pastoral care in this work. So you mentioned Exodus a, a couple of times. What, was Exodus like an umbrella ministry for different ministries in First Stone? Was, yeah, I forget w- people don't know that. Because <laughs> yeah, I... I know there's a lot of history in that, but it, it served as a, a umbrella for different ministries that did this type of. Yeah, it was right? it was a network. Okay, it, it kind of like a denomination, but not. Okay, um, and so it networked a lot of really good uh, independent five hundred one c threes, and uh, brought a, you know an, an annual conference and resources, and you know back in the day um, in the nineties, focus on the family was heavily involved, and and it was a viable force. Mm. to really help people overcome homosexuality. Okay, so First Stone was a ministry that was, I guess, affiliated with... Yeah, actually one of the founding in 1976. So you started off as working with First Stone before, like, you you started working with them? No, First Stone was called Fishers of Men from 76 to 83. And then after that, uh, it was a mom and dad, and then they took it to 90, and then Jeff Janes took it over, and then I became his assistant, and then in 2000 became director. Okay. So First Stone, great resource. You know, I've, uh, man, we have uh, First Stone Ministry at our conference, Marriage Family Life Conference. Uh, you and uh, Laura Smoltz, y'all, uh, y'all spoke maybe a few years ago, and this year you're going to be speaking on, the, on that Thursday night, uh, opening up our event. Um, and we also had you guys last year to help out with counseling and things like that. But, but uh, tell us a, a bit about First Stone and what the purpose uh, and, and the call of, of First Stone Ministries is. Well, it is to come beside the church to help the, equip the church uh, to do a good job at ministering to people who are dealing with any form of sexual sin and brokenness. Mm-hmm. And because we do have a history with LGBTQ 
plus sign, and everyone on our staff has in one way or another been touched by that kind of sin. Uh, We do a lot of work in that area. Okay. And so we do that through uh, pastoral care counseling, support groups, and resources, and public speaking. So uh, since 2000, and even before that, you know, when God called you in the ministry, how have you seen uh, things change over time till today? Like as far as uh, ministering to the sexually broken, is it harder now? Is is it, you know, like what's the difference now today, especially with, I guess, the Internet and different things going how have you seen it change? Well, we've seen a shift in the church as, you know, we saw the antinomianism, hypergrace, and the APA narrative, you know, orientation mixture that brought the collapse of Exodus mm-hmm. and then the, you know, the rise of revoice and, and, and now even in, you know, mainline denominations, uh, evangelical circles embracing this idea of gay Christianity. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, you know, that's the thing that we are really contending with almost on a weekly basis wow. now. And, you know, the Southern Baptist, the uh, Presbyterian Church of America, and not slamming those denominations. Actually, I go to a Southern Baptist church. It's fully on fire for God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are some real nuancing and ambivalent ways of handling theology and uh, people finding lasting freedom, mm-hmm. uh, even to the point where people are saying you can't get free mm-hmm. and that you should embrace a um, a gay Christian identity mm-hmm. and that what we do is even harmful. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, you know, of course, anybody that spends any time with us behind the scenes would see the incredible love of God and the outpouring of his spirit on people's lives and their souls do experience change and a shift. And so in some ways, um, when we're dealing with that religious person Mm -hmm. that has already received some of these lies, it is harder. Uh, But, you know, I've had a few young men that have went to the Revoice Conference. They've sat in my office and received ministry. And once they start hearing the word of God and receiving prayer and and actually navigating the pain of their life, there's a change. Mm. And so we are very excited about the fact that Jesus's words and the gospel Amen. always mm. will change a person's soul if they really want it. All right. Look, let's talk about what you guys do, because I know there's a phrase out there, conversion therapy. You know, tell us why that is not accurate, you know, of, of what you guys do and, and what do you do? Thank you for asking, because <laughs> the reality is that terminology, conversion therapy or conversion therapy ministries, came out of meetings with the SPLC and the Human Rights Commission. If anybody knows those organizations, they are hell-bent on normalizing homosexuality to the world. Mm. And uh, the the HRC is the human rights campaign out of Washington, D.C., biggest gay lobby. And they decided with the fall of Exodus and even some of those former leaders that they would come up with a ruse terminology that what we are doing is harmful. And then there was the Trevor Project. Mm. And uh, it's it's been an ongoing battle now with banning therapy and Mm. counseling for children under 18. And just think about that. Children under 18. In other words, we're going to stop the ones that need the help the most Mm. from getting help. Well, let's stop here. And we're going to talk about what you guys do, you know, in spite of what they say um, when we come back. This is Aaron Addison's here, American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. Be back right after this.
You're listening to Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. And I'm joined today by our brother Stephen Black. And, uh, man, he's just been giving us a lot of great um, information just about ministry, uh, ministry to the, to the sexually broken, and how God has uh, used him and raised up the, the organization, First Stone Ministries, uh, just to do that vital, vital work. But before uh, the break, we were talking about conversion therapy ministries and kind of this phrase that had been given to uh, what you guys do. And you were telling us, well, what that where, where it came from, and but what do you guys do as opposed to what they're talking about? Yeah, you, you look out on the Internet or anywhere, nobody has a shingle out there that says conversion therapy. Right. Nobody. Right. Um, what is done uh, is uh, as a therapeutic or counseling model mm-hmm. is talk therapy just like any other counseling. Yeah. Uh, what First Stone does is what we call pastoral care discipleship. So the difference between conventional counseling is a counselor will work to the end of the client and what they want to accomplish, and that's usually secular. Now, a biblical counselor will also add a biblical worldview. Right. Pastoral care, what we do is we take it even beyond that to prayerfully give Scripture and and guidance through the truth of God's principles, Mm -hmm. but commandments in ways that are found in the Word of God and apply it to the life practically. And so that takes time, and it takes time to unlearn things, Mm -hmm. and we apply that to the person's history. And and that in itself can also take time. And so, you know, these these people that are so against what we do um, are people that have never really worked on a lot of their root issues. Mm. And they are. They're deceived by this. And so they believe that uh, living a gay life or, uh, you know, identifying as gay is healthy when actually, you know, Proverbs tells us, you know, if a man believes in his heart, so will he be. And it's it leads to a place of brokenness. I mean, you'd never go around if you were uh, someone addicted to porn to call yourself a porn fornicating Christian, right? And right. Uh, and yet, it seems like it's acceptable now to call ourselves LGBTQ right. Christian. And what we do is help people to live a truly sincere, surrendered, Christ-like um, life, yeah. surrendered to Jesus. Well, let's talk about this for for a moment. I was reading on on the site, and I was like, "Man, this is the this would be a great place to go because, um, a secret sin." Now, a lot of times, you know, we want to talk about the big things out there, the the big glaring things, you know, because they're easy to talk about. You see that? That's bad. But I would I would dare to say that many believers, many believers, the secret sin issue. Is is where the heart is, or where, where things are happening. You guys also deal with this, you know, people who are not dealing with homosexuality or lesbianism or whatever, but secret sins, and that could be pornography, that could be all types of different things. The importance of us dealing with with those sins. Can, can we talk about that? Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, secretiveness is what empowers sin when you have a stronghold. And so I think pastorally, we have to make people feel safe, uh, that they are able to bring to light without shame and condemnation Mm -hmm. about the thing that they're struggling with. 
And that's why, you know, we exist in that we underscore confidentiality. And one of the practical avenues of ministry is to ask yourself, are you a secret keeper? Mm -hmm. Can you be confidential? Can you help somebody wrestle through whatever stronghold they have in the background? Because confession is absolutely imperative to walk out a truly repentant life. You can't really be repentant without confession, yeah. and you yeah. have to humble yourself to receive the grace of God. God mm. gives us grace to the humble. Mm. And so you cultivate these principles in a person's mind that this is really a place of safety. And so that you can confess and there's, you know, there's not going to be any condemnation. Mm. We love you and want to help you to work through your, your dark places of pain. Yeah. And well, we see it all the time. People Mm. getting set free. Mm. I've had like just a couple of weeks ago, I was ministering to a man, he's 64 years old and he's weeping in my office. And he says, I have never, ever told anyone what I am telling you today. Wow. And of course I know sitting on my side of the room is this is the first time you're getting as free as you can be. Wow. And you will never be as free as you can be. If you keep secret, the worst thing in your life needs to be confessed, not just to God, Mm. but to man. And, you know, Andrew Murray used to say, humility is not based upon how, how humble you think you are before God, but how humble you're willing to go before man, oh, man. and and to bring the secret sin into the light, and there's freedom in that. Yeah, that's that's real. I, I love Andrew Murray too. Um, and the, and the thing is, I think for the most part, a lot of believers are dealing with secret sin, and and, and therein you see a lot of weak the, the the weakness in the church. Because how can we really thrive and really do what God is calling for us to do if we have all these pockets of sin? In our in our lives, and I think the enemy uh, is strategic in in trying to keep us quiet. You know, because I always say that uh, sin grows in darkness. It seems to grow in darkness, but once you shine light on that stuff, you know, man, the enemy is exposed. God delivered me from pornography, but it took me doing what you said to be able to uh, uh, say this is what I'm dealing with. You know, and God brought freedom, and that's why I say. He can deliver because this was something that was in my life for years and God totally delivered me. So I know when there's people are saying that, oh, no, you're going to always. Yeah, that's temptation. But, man, God has set, can set free, you know, and so it's just an, an awesome thing. But I want you you mentioned something. Oh, yeah. Do you want to say something to that? No, no. I mean, I'm, I'm just enjoying hearing that. Man, um, I, you, you mentioned spiritual warfare. Yeah. See, that's, an, that's, that's another thing. And I'm a firm believer that the things that we're dealing with, you know, it's not just, you know, uh, natural occurrences, that there are spiritual things behind it because the word of God says that. So when you talk about spiritual warfare, how is that implemented in the counseling and things that, that, that you guys do? Well, that's a great question because it's one of the things that um, I don't know anyone without, I have a little acronym, I say ABS. Okay. And uh, my son was a bodybuilder, and, you know, he had his abs. Yeah. But there's spiritual abs, brother. There's mm. accountability, there's boundaries, and a spiritually devoted life where you practice spiritual warfare. Mm. If you don't have ABS in your That's life, good. and abs is not just confession session. Mm-hmm. It's living an organic life of living in the light with other community, with other safe brothers where you're confessing. And boundaries 
putting boundaries over all of your nouns of your life. So your person, places, and things, especially mm. technology. Yes. Um, you know, these handheld devices, our yes. children are being exposed to all kinds of things. Mm. But spiritual warfare, my first week of salvation, I'm so grateful that this fullness movement was happening in the church. And my pastor, uh, I was... Honestly, I didn't even know what was happening to me, but I was having such a bizarre thing in my mind of really evil, Mm. and I was oppressed. I didn't know I was oppressed. And he met with me, and he said, you need to implement 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For the mm-hmm. weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not according to the flesh, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Mm-hmm. Now, that word stronghold is like a giant castle built up mm-hmm. in the mind. Fortresses. It's a fortress. Yes. You have to pull that thing down. Mm-hmm. You have to bring those thoughts captive. Yes. And I remember thinking, every thought captive? Mm-hmm. And he said, every thought captive captive. And what is that? That is when you enter into this devoted life mm-hmm. where Jesus and, and what I, I like uh, and I teach on the, uh, the concept of the Latin phrase quorum Deo. Quorum meaning living in the presence of Deo God. Mm. And so your mind now is quorum Deo. You live with every one of your thoughts, every one of the motives of your heart Mm. in quorum Deo, in the fear of God, because you know he will judge you. You're going to be judged. And in doing that, the fear of the Lord is like a fountain of life. Mm. It changes everything. When you are able to confess and be open and honest with people and will Sometimes with spiritual warfare, I would Mm -hmm. say probably at least half the time, God wants us to confess Mm. to someone else, hey, man, I am dealing with a battle here uh, because one put a 1,000 to flight, two, 10,000. And we have to really understand that our our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And you're looking at a man, I... I, you know, and I know some people, this disturbs some people, but I was very demonized yeah. as a homosexual sex addict. Yeah. And there's a reason why Romans 1 says it's unnatural, yeah. right? It's it's other world. It's mm. unnatural. It's unclean. Yeah. And who brings unnatural and uncleanness to our lives? Mm. And the Bible specifically says that this is carried out by the evil one. You know, that's amazing to consider because... I run into people who, when you talk about spiritual things like that, and what's the the whole walk of Christ is, you know, walk in Christ is spiritual. It's a, this is a spiritual life. But they'll look at things like this and say, uh, I don't know about all that. I don't know if that's still happening today. And, and it's funny because I, I, I put up a post on uh, social media, and I said, I believe we, uh, we see Christian, co- Christians consulting psychics, uh, doing yoga, Uh, messing with crystals and other demonic mediums because the church in some segments have despised prophecy, shunned spiritual gifts, and neglected anything outside of their logic and understanding and pronounced these things as not of God. Uh, And it's funny how we can believe in supernatural things in the context of things in this world, but find it hard that God has given his people weapons. And and then I I cited uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3 through 6, you know, and I'll just read that. For for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Sounds like a war, brother. Sounds like a war. It's it's a war, and we have weapons. You know, so 
I can't even imagine the enemy having all these different devices and schemes and tricks and, and powers and all that stuff. And the people of God are weaponless. Right. We have weapons. And so you talk about spiritual warfare, and I know that's something that people hear and they're like, oh, that's kind of spooky. <laughs> but it's real. Yeah, it is it's real. It's real. And I know in the work that you guys are doing that, that you employ that, and you, and you are not ashamed to say that we are warring in the spiritual. Well, we have to teach people to understand and take inventory of their own thinking. Mm. Uh, I remember when I first started learning this, I thought I'd realize, oh, my goodness, every thought that I have that comes across my mind is not even from me. Mm. And I was realizing, wow. oh, wow, yeah. I really am in a war. Yes. And I remember when I finally started getting set free from the oppressive demonic spirits, mm. my mind became so clear and so peaceful my thoughts were my own, and mm. I, I was just filled with peace. Mm. And and I can tell now when the enemy is coming against my mind, it's not peaceful, it's restful, it's fearful, yeah. it's it's dark. Yeah. And whenever that's happening, you are in a war. Yes, yes. And people need to discern that. Yes, yes, definitely. You know, and I talked about, like just now, I was talking about how God delivered me from pornography. But he had to also renew my mind because those thoughts— was still there. And yep. over time, as reading his word and things like that, it became less and less and less. But still, there's a warfare. That's right. And we have to always be ready with the weapons that he has given us to fight, you know. And, and, man, <laughs> we, we don't see this. Man, we we are we, 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 we become defeated because we don't want to say, hey, the word of God says this, and we have weapons and we need to fight. Um, I want to talk about relying on, on God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit in the work that you guys are doing. Because... Someone can look at you and say, okay, well, you have a background. You came out of that, so you know all the things to say to someone who— but I'm a firm believer that even with the talents and abilities and giftings that he gives us, we still need the Holy Spirit to empower us for service. So, Always. So let's talk about that. Even in your ministry, like relying on God and, and his wisdom for what you're doing. Well, and we know as a staff, because we do check-in a lot— mm-hmm. Um, when we are trying to do it in our own strength, it's going to be full of anxiety. The fears start happening. Um, we will encounter restlessness. Mm. Uh, but when we are in, tapped into the vine, mm. and we're we're just we're supposed to be branches, come on, tapped into the vine, That's right? And the life flow of God, but because we've invited Him. Mm. And this is another thing people don't realize. You have to invite him. Mm. You have to give him permission. Mm. You have to want him with all your heart. Mm. You have to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, Mm. yes, Lord. Mm. And you live that as a lifestyle. Holy Spirit, come. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me and teach me in your word and way. And he shows up every time he does. It's impossible to have a pure devoted heart to want God's ways and ask for it. And he doesn't show up. Come on. He does. Come on. He loves us. Man. Awesome. Look, lastly, how can people get in touch with you in First Stone Ministries if they want to Re- reach Real you? simple. It's first, all spelled out, firststone.org. Mm-hmm. We have a contact form and they just click on it and fill it out. All right. Brother Stephen Black, he will be one of the speakers at Marriage Family Life Conference 23. You don't want to miss it. Go to marriagefamilylife.net to get your ticket. Uh, It's going to be great, a great time. I'm expecting God to move in a big way. Well, this has been Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. Be back tomorrow, but until then, God bless.